Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning in to The Mage as well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey witches, welcome back to the show and thank you for tuning in. I thought I'd introduce a new theme to the show this week of astrological mythology. We've all heard of the signs, but what's their backstories? This week is looking at Aries. So I'm going to delve a little into astrology and astronomy before we get to the myths, just so there's some context. Now, Aries is a constellation, and what that means is that it's a collection of stars, and it's given a name or a title, and significance has been assigned to it over time. You've probably heard of the Plough or the Orion. These are constellations, and what they do is they basically help break up the sky, and they make it easier to read. Now, this was particularly useful for ancient farmers. In some parts of the world, it's difficult to differentiate between the seasons. Different constellations are visible at different times of the year, and this is what makes it easier to distinguish the different months for planting and reaping. For example, the constellation of Scorpius is only visible on a summer's evening in the Northern Hemisphere. The myths surrounding constellations were said to help farmers remember them, and therefore in some early agrarian cultures, watching the sky played a vital role in survival. Today, every star in the sky belongs to one constellation, whereas before it could be a a mishmash, and there are only 88 constellations that officially exist. That being said, the Incans were one of the few cultures to actually mark constellations with the absence of stars, so they saw the spaces between the stars as important, and they were able to interpret animals within these boundaries, such as snakes and frogs. But back to Aries. So Aries is one of the 12 constellations that sits behind the sun's path as the earth rotates around it, so the sun appears to travel through each constellation throughout the year. It's these 12 constellations that make up the zodiac, which actually comes from the Greek word zodiakos, meaning circle of animals. Aries is one of the four cardinal signs. A cardinal sign marks the beginning of a new season. The sun enters one of these signs, and it marks the first day of that season. Aries marks spring. 
Still with me? Good. The Babylonians divided the zodiac into 12 equal parts and chose 12 constellations to rule each part. But it's not equal. For example, the sun appears to travel through Virgo for 45 days and only 7 for Scorpio. The Babylonians ignored this so it would match with their calendar and assigned each constellation an equal amount of time with the sun in it. In the 2nd century, the astronomer Ptolemy came up with the idea to associate mythological creatures to the constellations. He also identified other constellations not in the zodiac and put them all together in a manuscript. However, some of the constellations were already around before Ptolemy, which is the case with Aries. It should also be noted that the Greeks, Romans and the Babylonians all had the same approach to the zodiac, in that they shared all the same constellations, their meanings and myths behind them. Aries is the Latin word for Ram, and the Greek equivalent is Krios. Its brightest star is called Hamal, which derives from the Arabic Ras al-Hamal, which means head of the Ram, and interestingly between 1580 BCE to 360 BCE, the Greeks actually aligned many of their temples to this star. Now, the Babylonians, they first saw Aries as a farmer, and they called it Moluhunga, meaning the hired labourer suggesting that this month was a time where extra help was needed to assist in working. This was later changed to a ram for reasons that we don't know. The Greeks attributed this ram to the ram who had the golden fleece, which was sought out by Jason and the Argonauts. Majors, my sugar pot spell, it's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to overrunneth. Sugar pot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy. And who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. Subscribe to the link in the description, and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose. Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, turned Theophan, a nymph, which is like a minor female nature deity, into a sheep to protect her and to keep her suitors away. Nymphs were also very beautiful as well. Poseidon wished to court the nymph sheep, and in order to do so, he turned himself into a ram. Now, there are multiple red lights there, but we are just going to move on. Time passed and Theophan later gave birth to a golden fleeced flying ram who was named Chrysomalus. Athamas, the king of Boeotia, and Nephele, the goddess of the clouds, had twins, a boy named Phrixus and a girl named Hele. Athamas wished to remarry and justified his decision by saying Nephele was insane, so he remarried a woman called Ino, who was the daughter of King Cadmus in the neighbouring kingdom of Thebes. Aino became the children's stepmother, and as the years passed, she had two sons with Athamas. Now, Io hated Phrixus and Hele, particularly Phrixus, as he was the next in line for the throne, and in another source, because he refused to have sex with her. I mean, can you blame him? Weird. To secure her own children's position as heirs to the throne, she created a plan to kill them off. She roasted all the seeds in the kingdom so they wouldn't grow, and so she caused a famine. Next, she bribed the Oracle of Delphi, so when the kingdom farmers sought advice, they were told they had to sacrifice Phrixus to Zeus, and Boeotia, the kingdom, would survive. Though in other versions, it says she bribes the messengers to bring King Athamas the false prophecy of sacrificing Phrixus to save the harvest. 
and I'm more inclined to go with this version, as I don't think the Oracle of Delphi would have been cool with the story floating around that they could be bribed to manipulate kings. Now, Nephile, the twins' mother, found out and created her own plans. King Athamas tried to defy the so-called prophecy, but Ino told one of her maids to spread the word and his people demanded the sacrifice. He took his children to Mount Lepistium, but as he walked through the city, the people questioned his decision and actually doubted the oracle. Phrixus was very handsome and loved by the people, and he was happy to sacrifice himself in order to save them. As people were reaching the conclusion to save the boy, a woman screamed that Phrixus had raped her, and that's why the gods had demanded his sacrifice. The people now demanded his death. But what they didn't know is that the woman was Beatus, Ainu's sister, who made the accusation up after being spurned by him as well. They reached the mountain, and just as the king was about to sacrifice Phrixus, a flying ram with a golden fleece appeared from the sky. The ram had been sent by their mother, Nephile. Phrixus jumps on as well as Hele, who travelled with them, and also feared for her safety she remained, and Nephile tells them to flee, flee as far as they can, and the ram takes off and heads east to Colchis, which is the very edge of the Greek world, and it lies on the edge of the Black Sea in modern-day Georgia. Whilst flying, Hele lost her grip in a storm and fell into the ocean, taking one of the ram's horns with her. Phrixus nearly fell in two trying to save her. She tumbled into the ocean, in a strait that acts as a boundary between Europe and Asia. Phrixus wept for his sister, and to honour her, he called the strait Hellespont. It's said Poseidon saved her, and turned her into a sea goddess, where she rules over the strait. He forced himself on her, and she later bore him two giants named Almops and Paeon. It was after this that she became a popular idol for lovers, and her ocean became known as the place where lovers meet. Today, it's known as Dardanelles, but some still refer to its old name, Hellespont. The ram safely flew Phrixus to the kingdom of Colchis, the land of King Aetes, brother of Persephone, who bore the Minotaur, and Kirke, and it's also Medea's father. Aetes took Phrixus in and offered his daughter's hand in marriage, whose name was Chalciope, as a way to say thank you to the gods for surviving, and also the ram told him to do it. Phrixus sacrificed the ram to Zeus, who was also the god of fugitives and escape. He gave the ram's golden fleece to Aetes as a gift, who then hung it on an oak tree in a grove to Ares, or some accounts say it was a temple. Now Nephile placed the image of the ram in the stars, and it marked the time of the year when grain is sown as early as the seeds become parched, which is a reference to Aino damaging the seeds so they wouldn't grow. Now this fleece, it brought wealth to the kingdom, and it turned Aetes into a rich king, but it would also come to change Aetes. He would later become quite evil and killed strangers who visited him because he received a prophecy that when strangers took the fleece and left his lands, he would die and his kingdom would fall. In other versions, the ram is immortal, and when it came showtime for it to be sacrificed, it shed its fleece and took off into the sky, which others have theorised that's why the constellation isn't as bright as its companions. I just want to add a note in here, I thought the detail of Hele pulling the horn off was a strange one, and I think this detail came in later, like it was an addition, and I looked it up and I couldn't find much information on it. My theory is that Ares as a constellation, it doesn't look that impressive. It's made up of 17 stars, with 6 of them being the main ones. I've posted a picture of it. Now you can kind of actually make out a ram's horn from the stars within the constellation. I think that Ptolemy chose this story because the constellation resembles the one horn that the golden ram had left after Hele pulled it off. That was my little mic drop moment, thank you.
However, I did come across interpretation that said Hele falling off the ram was symbolic and it represents the over-fiery masculine energy that tends to be within those born under the sign of Ares. Now, after Phrixus died, he haunted his cousin Peleas, who seized the throne of Iolcus in Thessaly. The true king was Jason. Peleus agreed to give up the throne if Jason could bring him the golden fleece from Colchis, from King Aetes. Jason set out and the story of Jason and the Argonauts began. Finally, we're gonna cut a lot of the middle section out. Finally, Jason reaches Colchis and asks the king for the fleece, who flat out refuses. Jason, with the help of King Aetes' daughter, Medea, they are able to grab the fleece and flee. The final resting place of the fleece was in the Temple of Zeus at Orchomenus, where Jason hung it. Now, scholars have reinterpreted the myth of Phrixus and the flying ram, and suggest that the ram was actually a ship which had a ram on its bow. Now, Hele had seasickness and fell in, but others say that Phrixus was adopted by the king of Scythia, and a son-in-law of Aetes. And when he was adopted, they sacrificed Phrixus' servant named Creus, meaning ram. Also, I did a little reading from a text from the 5th century BC, and apparently they state that the Golden Fleece was actually purple. Plot twist. To the Egyptians, Ares was seen as their head god, Amon-Ra, who had a ram's head. Now, Dionysus, the Greek god of debauch, was campaigning in Egypt and was deep in the desert. They were running dangerously low on water in the middle of the desert. A ram appeared from nowhere and his soldiers gave chase and lost it, but it did lead them to water where they drank and recovered. They reported back to Dionysus. There they rested and they stocked up, and they also built a temple to Amon Zeus, the hybrid god of Zeus and Amon, the ram-headed Egyptian god. This is the famous oracle where Alexander received a message confirming that he was the son of Zeus Amon. I spoke about this back in Divination. So to honour this event of the ram appearing, they built a statue of Zeus with the horns of Amon, and that represented the ram constellation. Dionysus placed the ram first in the zodiac, as it had been a great guide for his army, and placed it so that when the sun was in that sign, life springs from the earth, representing the life that the ram had given his army via leading them to the water. Not all cultures see Ares as a ram. In China, it was part of several constellations and made part of the White Tiger of the West. This was seen as a time for rearing cattle for sacrifice, and also a time for harvesting. For the Mayans, it's an ocelot, it's a cute, small, little wildcat thing. And to the Polynesian islands, it's a porpoise. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path. I also want to connect you to information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors World community, as well as being in the communal sugarpot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you'd wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, and to Cecily Klim for editing.
Before I go, I have a poem for you called Guilt, Frixus and Healy by K.S. Moore. He felt her hand turn blue, part cold, part call of the sea, watched her dress tulip up around her, gaudy shroud. Heaven poured its light into the tips of darting waves, chasing her soul to an underlife that took her name. To ride gold is to feel air, swallow up memories, to land at the heart of a new country, cuts home from the past, fleece from the ram, let it gilt another's shoulders. Peace out, witches. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.